Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Artist at Work podcast. We're out here in Austin, Texas, cooking in the heat once again. I'd like to say I'm getting acclimated to the temperature being above 100 degrees every day, but to be honest, it's there's no there's no acclimation process happening. I feel like it's just sort of there's a acceptance of discomfort and a certain degree of like learned helplessness. Like it's just gonna be hot all the time. And that's <laughs> Texas. It's what we got going on right now. Uh, so I'm trying to just I'm trying to just embrace it get into the heat wear the least amount of clothing possible <laughs> and uh, yeah I'm I'm thinking that whenever we record the podcast outside at least over the next probably two months it would be good to make an effort to do it in the morning as the temperature is I don't know below a hundred degrees and you know I also have to be willing to make the necessary pivots and adjustments to accommodate the different guests I'm trying to bring on to the show and interview and so we'll get into that a little bit later in today's episode um, I'd also like to start just going over some of the notes that I've been accumulating about the Artist at Work podcast. And I'm still testing out different camera angles, still testing out the layout of how I can put together a podcast with all the tools that I currently have and make it the best level of production that I can. And recognizing all that I do not know, which is sort of an expanding process of incompetence. And then as I sort of learn a little bit, I sort of also then discover all this other stuff that I now know I do not know. Like, I sort of didn't even recognize that there was this area of filmmaking, like there's this way in which setting up a frame and like doing these things like because my incompetence was so was so tremendous it was also sort of shallow in the sense that I didn't understand the other pockets of information that I was unaware of and so it's almost like there's a weirdness to how when you learn more you realize you know so little and it's almost like realizing that you don't know much about whatever the subject matter is like that seems to grow as you learn more and it's very paradoxical like you learn more and you sort of realize like oh shit i don't know anything <laughs> but if you never learn more you're sort of your 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 ignorance is kind of shallow it's sort of like if you don't know anything about sort of the universe it's sort of like a shallow ignorance but if you start to learn a little bit about the universe it's like it opens up to all these other things that it's like, oh, now 
I'm aware of more things that I do not know anything about. And the only reason you get to that point is because you learn a little bit more. And so there's this weird sort of, you learn a little bit more and in that process of learning more, you realize you know even less than you thought before you learn more. Like it's a weird, I don't know that I'm making any sense at all talking like that. And that's probably gonna happen uh, fairly often throughout this podcast. <laughs> because I'm trying to make it as unedited as possible and I'd like it to just be fluid. Like, here's everything that happened with a little bit of before, the entire conversation, and a little bit after. Like, I think there's something about having that buffer, and there's something about, which I really enjoy, our podcasts that seem to have sort of like a natural glide slope entry into the conversation. And so, really just, I'm looking for like a brief musical intro that I can just lay over video of whatever's happening. Having some sort of clap as like a sign that I'm ready to switch the audio from the intro song to the microphone audio. Giving a brief welcome to the podcast and then getting into the conversation. Now doing that by myself, I think that works. With a guest, I think I'd prefer to just be engaging in conversation and sort of easing into it and not even acknowledge <laughs> that all of a sudden we're rolling. Like, I don't need to clap. Well, I guess I could still clap because that helps line up some of the audio stuff. So I'll keep that sort of practice going for the time being. Um, but there's also a... There's a, there's a smoothness, a sort of gentle easing into the flow when you almost don't directly acknowledge like this is a podcast that we're now starting hello person let's talk like there's something a little bit too robotic about that and there's something a little bit too almost staged and really the goal is to have as natural a conversation as possible which just so happens to be recorded like the 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 actual recording of the conversation needs to be as unobtrusive as possible and the goal is to just forget about it like don't even think about it being recorded like just engage in the conversation back and forth and get into that rhythm so with that said let's go over some of these notes talk a little bit about everything I've been thinking about wrestling with um, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts I'm attempting to build this podcast in the podcast <laughs> like I'm trying to share the development and sort of molding of the artist at work in these first episodes like I'm sort of trying to lay the foundation in real time and share that process instead of waiting to start the podcast until I've already figured everything out I thought it'd be interesting to figure it out on the fly, to figure it out in a way that other people can eventually see. So if five years from now I'm still kicking it, doing the podcast, interviewing creative people, fans of the show can go back to these early episodes and see how I was wrestling around with different ideas of doing things and how I was making all these adjustments and changes. And you can witness the 
sort of it's almost like you can you can witness the ways in which I'm trying to figure it out in real time and I think that experimentation that sort of playful uh, the playful exploration of what is possible what I can do we're in it <laughs> we are in it all right so starting with some habits because I'm at a stage in my life where I'm really trying to break all of these large ideas and visions that I have I'm trying to figure out how to break them down into like what are the daily habits I need to engage in to bring this idea into the world and for podcasts uh, some of the habits I've put down are watching videos to improve my own communication skills, um, taking note of podcast production, which I really enjoy. Like, what are the elements of a good podcast production? And really being good about developing playlists of videos, playlists of articles, playlists of anything that I find useful. I'm trying to be better about organizing that into a library so that essentially I could someday give the playlist of videos like here are all the things that I found incredibly helpful when I was starting a podcast. Maybe you can extract some benefit from that as well. Like here are some videos. I'd like to be able to do that with all the areas I'm genuinely interested in because it sort of takes the view that if I'm a good student and I am able to sort of refine my learning and my notes it can be passed along to other students in a very meaningful way that could connect well beyond anything that I would perceive or predict and so it's again the realization that I don't know how other people will interact with what I'm doing and so I need to do everything I can to extract value from the process of doing and then share it without being attached to how others receive it. Like there's a, there's a balance to be found there, which is not obvious. It's not a necessarily easy place to balance, but it is something that I'm actively pursuing. And so that habit of constantly learning and constantly paying attention to ways in which I witness other people doing it at a high level. Like, ooh, that's nice. And one thing I really enjoy are, like when Chris Williamson does the sort of, almost like film studio type production, where there's like the full set of a room, which is well lit. It's very sort of minimalistic in terms of what's going on. But the elements that are there, like they add some character to the conversation. But there's also something I really enjoy about some of the dynamic camera shots that are included, like a smooth glide of the conversation taking place, a sort of freehand zoomed in shot of like hand gestures of the guests speaking and sort of showing them a little bit more close up, like getting these different intimate elements and then integrating that into the total video experience 
just it, it raises the bar of production quality uh, in a really tremendous way. And so it's possible. Um, it's possible that I could bring another tripod and sort of ask to record one of the camera angles on the guest's phone because uh, chances are good they have a phone which can record 1080p and in that way we can sort of integrate another camera angle into the view um, and use the gimbal for some smooth shots instead of just a stationary tripod which is what it's being used for now and uh always learning always learning and so part of that always learning is another habit which I have on here adding best practices and sort of ideas of how to improve the podcast to a list in this note um, sort of as like a brainstorm things to keep in mind things to prioritize for a good podcast um, I have in here performing practice podcasts with friends. I'm not sure if that's still relevant considering the practice podcast I'm not doing just on my own. Like I, I have the ranting gene. I have the ability to just sit down and talk and talk and talk and talk. So it seems like th that practice, which I'm engaged in right now, this practice, this is probably a really good way of practicing and it's again something where I'm not reliant upon someone else for their availability and their timing of schedule this that or the other thing like if I have an opening I can show up sit down record a podcast for an hour and a half plus and there's just there's something something about removing as many barriers as possible so that the entryway into the practice is always available and there is a large lawnmower just pulling into the park getting started so we'll see how that affects the audio. Um, that was a that was a deep, <laughs> deep sneeze. Man, that I feel like that cleared out. <laughs> Whew, that cleared out some tension for sure. All right, another habit: adding potential guests to sort of ongoing list and. Part of that habit is also reaching out to guests and figuring out how I want to approach that process. Like, how do I go about meeting new people and sort of maneuvering in the conversation to a point where I feel like I can ask them to be on my podcast, sit down and have a conversation. And figuring out how to sort of present that in a way that's like a... 
a, a genuine offer of curiosity. Like I genuinely want to sit down and talk to you about your creative practice, your journey of art, all the events in your life that led to the position you are in now, and to sort of like open up the background of an artist and their relationship with whatever their practice might be. I really want to tap in to what seems to be really hidden in, in so many creative works of art. So figuring out how to connect with potential guests, get that going. And then I have per, like performing an actual podcast at least once a week. I think ideally I would do more than that. I think realistically I could do three a week. Uh, I think the difficult part would be doing three a week with guests. I, I could see that being an issue just because it's a challenge to find a sort of schedule opening that aligns with an opening in my schedule and in the guest schedule. And so it could be difficult to do three a week with a guest, at least at this point, because I simply don't have enough people lined up who are interested in doing the podcast yet where I could sort of manage that level of frequency. But I do think that is the goal, three times a week, because that seems like a good frequency of sharing the podcast as well, to do three videos a week. And so... I think there's there's a lot to be said for the sort of social networking aspect of hosting a podcast where it's essentially a business card and an invitation to others to show up and sit down and have a long conversation and just get into it and we can explore the nuance of an art practice and there's something there's something there which I think many artists will feel inspired by or they'll feel excited about the opportunity to sit down and express more of themselves for their own fans and and it really does seem like there's a There's a way in which the podcast will help motivate me to reach out to people cold on social media or when I meet people in person to sort of give them my information, let them know I'm doing a podcast, let them know that I'm interested in having them on the podcast. Like there's sort of these base level things which help to sort of spread awareness of what I'm attempting to do and inviting people to show up and participate. So yeah. And part of that is also then the editing of the podcast, making sure I'm staying on top of that. At the moment, I'm doing all of that myself. Ideally, that's something that which I could eventually have some help completing, especially now that I'm adding other camera angles, considering adding a third camera angle. Like, it'd be really helpful to have someone who's much more skilled at the video editing process. We could just sort of chop up 
the video angles, pair them together with the audio, do the whole production, sort of. But for the time being, I'm doing it all myself, so I have to incorporate that habit and keep, keep processing throughout the week as I'm recording. And so we'll keep doing that. And at the moment, those are the most important habits that I have listed for ongoing practice and engagement. And there are definitely more, which I'll probably be adding over time. And for now, that's what we got. And so the total podcast process, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what it is going to take for me to do a podcast. And this is my sort of first attempt at making an itemized checklist of everything I need to do. And I'm really trying to make it as streamlined as possible so that it's easy for me to just pull up this list, go through the checklist and start boom, 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 boom. And it just removes all of the sort of like the the thinking effort and energy of like, well, wait, now what do I do next? Well, what do I do after that? And then that, and well, should I do this next or this next? Like eliminate all of that sort of overlap thinking and really just fine tune, like this is the process to go through. And then I know every time I'm getting ready for a podcast, I just go through the checklist. And so it will help ensure that I'm not missing anything or forgetting anything and I'm not entirely relying upon my own weakened memory to produce a podcast. Checklists are enormously helpful for performing tasks like this where there's a decent amount of steps involved um, and they're relatively the same like all the time. So. Let's see, starting off with the total podcast process, we have scheduling a day, time, and location with or without a guest. And really, this is just looking at my schedule, identifying periods of time where I'm available to sit down and do a podcast. Next up, double check functionality and full charge of all equipment the day before scheduled recording. And so, this means charging the microphone, charging the DJI gimbal, charging the phones and the iPad so that I can pull up notes and really have everything geared up like in the backpack ready to go. Lawn mowers now on this side of the park headed towards me. So we're about to see what that does for the audio experience here. On to the next one. Arrive to location early on the day of recording to assemble the set and test run all the gear. So really setting up the camera angles, doing a little brief audio visual test to make sure everything's running. Here comes the mower. I'm just gonna let this white noise sound take over a little bit. I suppose I'll talk just for reference of sound and how it's going to be fighting against my voice to pick up whatever it is I'm talking about. And he's turning around to head the other way. 
The grass is incredibly short. I don't know why it's being cut. <laughs> I don't, I'm not even sure it is being cut. He's just driving over it. <sighs> Anyways, on to the next one. Oh, and as like a side note to that, I also have don't forget cold drinks and ice in a cooler. And so part of that means like being able to have a variety of drinks like coffees, um, energy drinks, water, maybe some flavored water, like having options to offer the guest and making sure that I'm keeping them cold and chilled, like just getting in that habit of delivering a really pleasant experience to anyone who decides to show up. I wanna make sure that they're hydrated, keeping cool, always finding a shaded spot to sit down and actually do the podcast so that we're not just roasting in the sun. And that that's part of the like assembling of the set like making sure that the location where I'm setting up is going to be a good location to hang out for one to three hours. I mean, that's, yeah, we're trying to make it as enjoyable as possible so that the guest then tells other people, like, yeah, I did this podcast, it was incredible. We got to just hang out, do our thing. Um, I could even see myself, um, bringing other like I don't personally drink alcohol but sometimes the guest may enjoy that as like a way to loosen up a little bit and be a little bit more free in their conversational abilities so maybe that's something I should include some alcoholic options like there's such a wide variety there a part of me leans against it because I don't want to be constantly carrying such a wide variety of alcoholic beverages because that seems a little bit a little bit unnecessary for me to do and a little bit like uh, it's something which seems less likely to be used I suppose um, that's that's like a, a fine item line detail that we'll figure out along the way as we go. And maybe it's something as simple as asking the guest what they'd like to drink and I'll just make sure that I add whatever they say to the cooler. Like I can manage that much. Next up, we have welcoming the guest and offering drinks or anything else before we get started. And that's really just sort of trying to help the guests feel comfortable, getting the small talk going, letting them know that I want to take care of them and I'm interested in them being comfortable, sort of relaxing into the conversation. And uh, start backup mic recording right here, and then attach it to the guest shirt. Start backup recording attached to my shirt. Start video and watch timer. I forgot to start the watch timer until five minutes ago, so I'm a little bit off on that. Uh, clap in video frame for audiovisual timing. And so doing that really any time after I've started the video I think is helpful just to line things up. It doesn't have to be right before I get into the podcast. I think that's 
little bit more of the goal. Like I'll record a little bit as we're setting up and sort of sitting down and getting going. Eventually I'll clap just for some lineup production purposes. And then we're recording um, for one to three hours. Uh, after the conversation close, I'm also trying to clap in video frame again for audiovisual timing and to sort of like, all right, like at this point, we transition from the microphone audio to an outro song, whatever that happens to be, maybe an outro video or an end screen, like that's what then rolls at that point. And then once we do that, we'll sort of sort of like ease into the wrap up. Um, there's really no rush to end the videos. Again, I'm trying to have that buffer on the front end and the back end so that I can include the visuals of what's going on both just before and just after the podcast to sort of provide a little bit of that like personal context to the conversation. Um, once clear of the camera, uh, I'm going to end the backup recording after ending the videos. Remove microphone from guest shirt and my shirt. Um, thank the guests for sharing their time, personal stories, offer more drinks and food. Um, break down set, pack up gear for departure. Getting everything powered down, packed in a case, whatever it may be, put into the pack making sure I have everything, not leaving anything behind, getting all the trash, getting the cooler, like just breaking down, packing up, doing all the basic stuff. And then the next steps get into how I start processing the podcast raw material. And that starts with plugging the phone into the desktop, downloading video through image capture, I then import the video to Logic Pro and select the option to detach audio. In Logic Pro, I am improving the EQ balance, adding a compressor, and then setting the output audio level between minus 16 and minus 20 LUFs. Uh, then I export the improved audio track from Logic, import video and improved audio track to Final Cut Pro, line up audio, detach raw audio from video and delete, attach improved audio, uh, make the necessary cuts and add intro outro music. I also have here to add like a bonus freestyle or work of art at the end of the podcast. And as I've thought about that more, I a part of me wants to include like that freestyle in the podcast in the location, not just a random added video from some other spot where I recorded the freestyle. I think there's I think there's like an exciting element of just performing the podcast as we get to the end it's like all right we're gonna wrap up the conversation and do a little bit of freestyle art and I think that is a little bit more exciting and a little bit more of an honest representation of an artist at work as well like here's a little bit of creative bubbling at the end of each episode so then I have Export Movie from Final Cut Pro with the YouTube preset, which is a compressed 1080p HD. 
upload video to Spotify for podcasters and fill out details, including scheduling, um, writing out the description, upload video to YouTube and fill out details, including scheduling, um, using the same description for the podcast on Spotify as well as YouTube. I believe the YouTube description can be longer, so I'll also have like a dedicated section of the description, which is just for the YouTube version, just to sort of make sure I'm filling out the description with related text or links or bonus information, whatever it might be. Um, in that process is also creating a new thumbnail uh, before the scheduled release date. and. I'm still playing around with different thumbnail designs and I'm going to keep playing around until I start to see what I enjoy, what looks good, what's working, what's not working. That's going to be sort of a lot of testing. And then sort of the final step, which is an ongoing part of the checklist, which is share links to the podcast on social media, the website, with clips that have captions. And so it's a way of recognizing that once the podcast has been shared, or even just before it's been shared, as sort of like a teaser trailer for the conversation, which is about to be posted, like giving away these interesting little segments of conversation so that people have an idea of what is the conversation about, what are some things that the podcast gets into, um, it's, it's super helpful to give a little bit of a preview and to make those sort of shorter, mo more digestible pieces of information and telling as many people I can that there's a podcast and that I did this podcast with this person and they should really show up and listen and da 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 da, da. So those are the sort of total podcast process steps to go from setting up all the way to posting the podcast and telling people about it. And so having that entire process detailed out in a checklist is going to be incredibly helpful for me to just keep going through the list, check, 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 check. What's next? All right, we do this thing. What's after that? All right, we do this thing. And it's a way in which I can just sort of easily replicate the entire process without having to think about it every single time without having to wonder what's next. It's like, well, what's next? I just look at the checklist, do that task, whatever it might be. So that's the total podcast process. Next up, we have just like a little bit about the cornerstone of the Artist at Work podcast undeniably human. That's the cornerstone of this podcast. There's something about an artist at work when you can really start to understand what led an artist to practice art with their chosen medium, what their current relationship with art is like on a day-to-day -day level. There's something which is undeniably human when you see that process, when you start to recognize all of the repeated 
habits, all those little actions which are engaged with every day. There's something undeniably human which is expressed there. And so this two-word phrase is the cornerstone of Artist at Work podcast, inviting collaborators to share their art practice in a way that is undeniably human. Essentially raw recordings of the artist creating a work of art in progress with or without the finished piece included in the podcast. And what I mean by that is like if I'm working with say a sculptor, I would really enjoy the opportunity to observe them sculpting and actively crafting whatever their current art project is. And I don't need to include the finished piece in the podcast, just including that practice. And like this is sort of a window into the current work being done. That's the focus for this podcast. It's really focused on the practice. It's really focused on the development of works of art. It's much less concerned with the finished piece itself, much more concerned with the artist and their journey and their relationship with art. And I think it's helpful for artists of all kinds to observe and engage with other artists at work in a similar or different medium of art. There's so much that can be learned from that sharing, that sort of interaction with other creative people. You can see how other people are approaching their practice and how other people are integrating their art practice with their total life and sort of trying to find that harmonious balance. So there's a lot that can be learned. And just as an example of that I have in here, what would a poet and a woodworker learn from each other if they observed the creative practice and heard an interview with the artist answering questions? At larger scales, we could invite artists to record audiovisual answers to questions for vlog-style explanations of their art practice and tours of the creative space. And really what that is attempting to do is open up the podcast to more of like a audience participation sort of like invitation to share like a brief video clip of how you're practicing art. You can make it yourself in your own studio, send it in to the podcast, and then we can feature some of those video clips in the show sort of say like here's a fan of the show who's been doing this art practice for this many years they're working with this medium they sent us a video talking where they answered like a few of our questions to sort of start out as prompts and they've decided to share with us like a video of them working in their studio space doing whatever it is they do and I think that's a fun way of helping the audience feel like they're included in the process. And it also gives audience members an opportunity to sort of market themselves to other creative people by participating in that effort of making a little bit of a, making a little bit of a video about themselves and their art practice and sharing it.
for others who are interested in learning about artists and their practice. Um, let's see what else we have. Next up I have a little bit of like a motivating statistic, which I still haven't really looked into to see where this information is coming from or if this statistic is true. I heard it in a podcast from someone who I believe to be reputable, so I put it down because it's good inspiration for me. And it is, by making 21 podcasts, I'll be in the top one percentile of all podcasts <laughs> in terms of just my ability to get to that point. Like, it's the recognition that 99% of all people quit podcasting before they make it to 21 episodes. I think it's before they make it to 20 episodes, actually. But if by making it to 21, I'm over that threshold. And so... There's something there which is motivating and like it's, it's, a, it's a really attainable goal in my mind. Um, this is already episode six, so we are chugging right along. And it feels good. It feels good to recognize that I'm already close to one-third of the way there to being in that top one percentile of all podcasts. Yeah, like there's... There's really like a sense within myself that I've eliminated any thought of quitting the podcast before 21 episodes. Like, I have to give it at least that long. At least that long to know if it's going to be a good fit. And then there's also the realization that if I get to the point where I've done 21 episodes, I will have generated so much momentum. I will have learned so much from those early experiences and those early failures and those early attempts to make adjustments that by the time I'm going from 21 episodes to 100 episodes... Like the the amount of effort going into each podcast will be much less because it'll be sort of I'm just following the checklist. Like I will have dialed in the total production checklist so well by the time I reach 21 episodes that it'll be much easier for each episode after that point to just go through the checklist, do the things. Boom, 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 boom. Keep sharing. Keep meeting with more creative people. Keep sitting down to discuss the art practice. Keep learning. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And that comes back to the practice. Just practice, practice, practice. So important. Next up, I have a list of questions. I know in a previous podcast, I talked about some core questions that I'm trying to create and this is a little bit of a longer list of questions that I'm still trying to sort of like work down. Like what are some, like what are the most essential questions in this list? Some of these are very similar and there's a way in which I could combine them into one question. Uh, 
So I'm still working on that. But I'll go through these for my own benefit, for anyone who's watching and interested to see like what some of these questions are going to be like. And let's see, there's, I don't know how many, maybe around 20, 20 questions that I've highlighted and another, I don't know, 25 that I've created, but were sort of less interesting of a question or less related to like the core of the podcast. Because I'm trying to have just like a, a short list of core questions, which I can return to any moment where I feel like I'm trying to guide the conversation and orient it properly. But I don't want to have so many questions lined up and ready to go that it's almost like a scripted question, 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 question. I really want the conversation to be free-flowing and to go wherever it may lead and not be like held on tight getting through a list of 25 questions or whatever. So these are some questions that I still need to consolidate, improve, and pare down. But I think it's interesting just to get an idea about what I'm thinking and how I'm trying to engage with an artist and what I'm trying to learn about them. That was a squeaky car. Interview questions. What is your earliest memory of making art? And this is something which is really just trying to prime sort of the history of an artist. And we're trying to start that with like, what is the origin moment? What is the what is the earliest memory of a relationship with art? And there's also something about, like you get to see what artists were doing when they were kids, and what sort of art practice they initially started working with. Um, then we sort of expand from there. Then there are all sorts of questions which open up based on the response to that, which help us unpack the life history of an artist and sort of a follow-up question in that same area is what initially inspired you to pursue art? Was there a specific moment or experience that ignited your passion? Now those questions are kind of like, I could probably combine them. Um, but again, I'm just gonna read through these. I'll work on consolidating them and improving them over time. Uh, what people, places, and things inspired you to start making art? Again, we're looking at that inspiration element. Um, similar to that, again, who are the most important mentors or role models that inspired you to practice art? Getting into another question. Can you explain the original idea for your current art project 
and how the idea has changed since you started working on it. And this is where we would get into the conversation about whatever is currently going on in the artist's life. Uh, if they're a musician, they're working on an album, like we'll talk about how the album idea started, how it's changed, where they are now, really getting into the current practice of whatever's happening. Um, something which I think would be a good question at the end or towards the end of each podcast would be what advice would you give to a young artist who wants to practice your medium of art? And there's something here which is interesting because I'm trying to get the advice for like if I'm talking with a painter I want them to give advice to young artists who are also interested in being painters like because that's where they have the most experience and ability to give meaningful advice and another question which I'm going to move up to the others because this needs to be consolidated in which is looking back on your artistic journey what are some pivotal moments or milestones that have shaped your growth as an artist this is again trying to get into that sort of what's the background of your art practice like I've, <laughs> I've already read through maybe three or four questions that are all sort of aiming in slightly different ways they're phrased a little bit differently but they're all aiming at like what's the inspiration what's the backstory what's the lead up for your art practice like how did you get started and what was that journey like and there are ways in which I need to just sort of work that question, properly consolidate that. Um, how is technological advancement and artificial intelligence influencing your practice of art or your field of practice? Meaning if you're a writer, you can talk about how it's a, interacting or how you're choosing to interface with it in your own practice but then I'd also like your take on what you think it's doing to all other creative writers or all other people in that same medium of art and and well there's just a lot of ways in which technological advancement is starting to influence how people make art and engage with whatever their practice may be um, next question how do you define success in your practice of art and what is the target you're aiming for and those are kind of similar in the sense that like people aim for what they believe to be successful sometimes the aim is slightly different than whatever they would determine is successful but oftentimes they're very like they're very closely connected so I think those fit together and I think it's important to understand how artists view success and what that means to them <clears throat> another question about advice what's the best lesson or piece of advice you've ever received and so now instead of asking the artist to give advice I'm trying to figure out 
what lesson or advice they've received that was tremendously impactful. That's also similar to sort of the role model question, pivotal moments question. It's like we're trying to understand what moments in life sort of ignited the passion, which was also a question. <laughs> so again, like consolidating these, figuring out how to orient the conversation in these sort of general directions. Uh, what hobbies or activities do you enjoy outside of your art practice? This is trying to understand how the artist is incorporating their total life with their practice by figuring out what it is they enjoy doing outside of their practice. And so maybe then you learn that the artist is also really into, I don't know, fly fishing. Talk about that. The artist is maybe um, a father, a mother, Maybe they have a lot to say about their kids and that really like plays a large role in their art practice and how they integrate with their art practice. So it's getting into like the total life of the artist to help provide some more context for their practice. Uh, can you walk me through your creative process from the initial idea to the finished artwork? And this is essentially looking for a kind of checklist or a kind of trajectory that the artist travels upon to go from whatever their initial idea may look like and then how do they work that idea all the way to a finished piece. Like I want to understand the stages of development that are taking place. How do you approach challenges or creative blocks during the artistic practice? practice and this is and I really like this one because it's going to allow people an opportunity to recognize what it is they do um, when facing challenges and creative blocks which really ha it happens to every artist no matter what medium you practice like you're going to reach challenging moments you're going to have experience with creative blocks where you're showing up to your practice, you've set aside time to practice, and there's just nothing that's really sort of grabbing you with that inspiration to create. And so learning how other creative people deal with those moments, it can really pass along some very useful pieces of advice to other artists who are also experiencing those moments. Uh, what mediums of art do you enjoy working with and why? What mediums of art have you tried but did not connect with? And this is understanding that many artists and creative people are creative in multiple areas. And I'd like to understand some of the other areas that they're creative in. And I'd also like to know what are some things they've tried and did not connect with. And I think that would be interesting as well to see how many creative people have tried being creative in other ways and then sort of made a necessary pivot or realized that it didn't fit their personality, didn't fit their artwork life integration attempt, whatever it is they're trying to balance. I think it's just sort of, there's something there, there's something there. And then also learning what it is about the medium of art they're using that is important to them and why they enjoy working with it. 
How would you describe your emotional connection to your art practice? Trying to figure out what the, what the relationship is like. Is your art practice therapy? Is it an outlet for emotions? Is it a moment of play? Is it like a, a dream-like state? Is it energizing, relaxing, draining? Like I really want to understand what the relationship is like, the nuance of those emotions involved. Next question. How are you developing your skills and expanding your artistic horizons today? And this is again trying to get into how are you a student now in this stage of your practice? What are you still trying to expand and grow? And I think there's something about figuring out how the artist is viewing their horizon in the future and what they're attempting to move towards. I think all of that is interesting. So now we're sort of getting into that future projection of like, how are you visualizing this art moving forward? What are you doing today to prepare for tomorrow's practice? How do you generate ideas for your artwork? Do you have any specific rituals or practices to help stimulate your creativity? I really like this one because it's going to be getting into like like the importance of having the sort of rituals to enter a practice and sort of setting the mindset, properly orienting oneself to be creative. And I think that's very in tune or very related with the question of how do you generate ideas for your artwork? Because a lot of times it's a connected process. How do you step outside of your comfort zone and experiment with new techniques or mediums of art? How has this impacted your artistic growth? Meaning how has stepping outside of your comfort zone and experimenting impacted your artistic growth? Can you share an example of a time when you took a creative risk or tried something different in your work. And this is trying to figure out how the artist is exploring options, testing their own potential, and again, it's that attempt to figure out how they're branching out and creatively engaging with their practice. Similar to the ritual question, how do you prepare yourself mentally and emotionally before starting a new piece of art? How do you strike a balance between planning, uh, between planning a work of art and allowing for spontaneity in the moment when making the art? Like, are you planning out the piece ahead of time and then just doing everything you can to produce that piece exactly how you planned it? Are you starting with a general idea and then you sort of make pivots and adjustments as you go and you sort of allow the final vision to be made manifest through the process of actually doing it? Um, part of that is how do you make changes or revise your artwork during the creative process? 
So figuring out if people have like a method in which they're overproducing and then editing down, or maybe they have a process of making changes along the way, which allows them to be a little bit more spontaneous and fluid. Um, similar to how do you make changes or revise your artwork is the question, how do you know when a piece of art is finished? Like, how do you know when to stop making those changes and revisions and say, nope, it's good. Like, I'm going to take my hands off, I'm going to step away, and I'm going to share this artwork in the world. Do you prefer working alone or collaborating with other artists? What would your ideal work situation be like if working alone? What would your ideal work situation be like if collaborating with others? And for me, I would say when I'm working alone, I prefer to be in an isolated, wild place. And when I'm working with others, I also prefer to be in an isolated, wild place, but I would also enjoy like a coffee shop where there's sort of like a, I don't know, like there's a little bit of momentum in the room in terms of other people having conversation and doing, doing their own work, but it's not an overwhelming uh, presence of momentum. It's not an overwhelming sound level. And I think that's also a good collaborative space when working with others. And I'd, I'd say I prefer working alone, but I also really enjoy collaborating with creative people. And so I think for that one, I'm more in the mindset that they're both good and I try to incorporate working alone and collaboration in the total practice. How do you view and embrace mistakes in your artistic process? Do you believe mistakes have a role in your creative growth? And again, can you share a specific instance where a mistake or accident led to a positive outcome or inspired a new artistic direction? That needs to be consolidated and incorporated with some questions earlier on. Uh, because really we're trying to figure out like what's what's your relationship to mistakes making changes and revisions what's the specific moment when you've made changes or revisions or you've made a mistake which then turned out to have a really positive outcome on the overall work of art I think that's again getting into the ways in which creative people need to allow themselves the sort of space and time to experiment and play and make those mistakes and just like let things happen. And you sort of have to have that ability to not hold on tightly to the idea that you know everything about what is best for the artwork. Like some of that is still undecided, still finding balance. Have you, and so a similar question to that, have you encountered any significant failures or setbacks in your artistic journey? How did you overcome them? And what did you learn from those experiences? Again, trying to understand how the artist views mistakes and failures, how they relate to them, how they're working through those difficult moments, and then what they're learning from all of those moments. Next question. which is again, we're still, still trying to figure out this failure question a little bit. 
How do you decide when to make changes, revisions, and refinements, or when to embrace the imperfections? So I've now had like four different questions really trying to get at like the same general point of how are you making mistakes? How do you know when to embrace the mistake is like a imperfection which actually adds to the total work of art versus something which needs to be revised? Like there's a, there's a difficulty there, which is sort of like how do you figure out what is the finished work? How do you figure out what's good or most good? How do you figure out what should be improved or revised along the way? How are you dealing with mistakes and failures? Like, there's sort of a core question in there, which I have to figure out so that it's not four or five questions, like all similarly pointing in the same area. It's like, how do I get one core question to represent that area of thinking and exploration? How do you strike a balance between artistic experimentation and maintaining a cohesive voice or style? And part of that is the realization that if you're constantly changing your style, it can be difficult for people to understand what it is you're trying to communicate. Like if you paint an image one week and then write a song the next week and then make a abstract sculpture out of clay like people are going to be confused about what it is you're trying to communicate and it would be very difficult to sort of string those together in a way that's meaningful and so there's also something like just within one medium of art if you're a songwriter and you write a country album and then you do an EDM album and then you do a hip-hop rap album the fan base that you're building with one album is unlikely to follow you to the next album because it's a complete shift in style, genre, like everything is totally different. And maybe it's all experimental. So how do you find balance between experimenting and also maintaining your own voice and style? And like sort of developing that voice and style. Uh, how do you approach uncertainty in your artistic experiences and your, your practice. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty when you're creative, when you're thinking about new ideas and generating new works of art in the world. There's so much uncertainty. How detailed is your artistic vision before you start working on a project? And this is similar to a question I was getting into before about like what's the trajectory from idea to finished work? Like how much of the vision is included in that early idea generation stage and how much of the vision is sort of left uncertain and then it becomes clear as you're actually making it. And so for me as a songwriter, oftentimes the idea will be something like a story. It'll be something like an emotion, something like there's this experience I'm attempting to articulate. That's the idea. So the vision is more of an emotion than 
a finished work of art. And it's only as I'm actually writing the music, coming up with a chorus, and then writing the verses, like then it's becoming clear as I'm working on it. And it's sort of like the initial idea is only a, a soft sort of grip on what it is I'm trying to make. But the actual work of art is sort of coming into reality through the process of engagement. And it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of being formed and articulated to represent the artistic vision and that initial idea. But the details of how I'm representing that are totally unknown when I start. And so there's that interesting sort of balance of this is the fuzzy vision that I have, or maybe it's super clear, like the vision itself could be super clear, like I clearly see this storyline that I'm trying to make a song about, but the actual song is totally unclear. Like I might not have even the first line, I might not have any idea of a chorus or a melodic structure yet. I just have that sort of initial vision of the song story or the emotion I'm attempting to articulate. So for me, there's a tremendous amount of the artistic work which becomes clear only as I'm working on it and getting into that practice. And part of that, for the final highlighted question I have on this list, can you share an example of a time when you trusted your intuition and allowed the artwork to unfold organically? And that's getting back to the idea that we don't know everything and learning how to sort of loosen your grip on the belief of what is true or what is real. That can be an enormously difficult balance to strike because if you take it to either extreme meaning you're so convinced that you know everything that you need to do, you're just gonna sort of set out and do all of the things you initially thought. Like the first idea was perfect as it is, so you're just gonna generate that. That's not a good extreme because you're missing those moments and those pivots and those changes and revisions along the way, which would make a serious improvement. But also if you go the other way and you're always sort of trusting the intuition in the sense that it's like even the slightest idea of changing a work of art, you could read into that as like an intuitive uh, suggestion sort of from your subconscious, and then you could be constantly making changes and revisions that sort of degrade the work of art to such a degree that it becomes scattered. And that's not good to take it to that extreme either. Um, I'm just gonna scan through some of these other questions that are not highlighted and see if any of them sort of jump out something which I should be looking into more. Um, yeah, here's one that I kind of like. Do you ever feel exposed or hesitant to share deeply personal aspects of yourself through your art? How do you navigate this vulnerability?
How does your art reflect and communicate aspects of your personality? How would you describe the feelings you experience when making a new work of art? What is your most used tool in your practice of art? That's a good one. That is a good one. Like, what is the tool that you use more than anything else? Uh, for me, it would be the Apple Watch, being able to record freestyles anytime, any place. By far, my most used tool. Uh, I think it would be interesting to hear what other people use as their most used tool as well. Let's see what else we have here. Questions are very similar to questions I've already gone over. And so I think that's why most of them are not highlighted. So let's see, almost at the end of this list. Here's one, I'm not sure if this is great. I mean, I'm a book nerd, so I appreciate when people share books that they really enjoy. But what three books do you think would help make the world a better place if everybody read them? I think there's something there where you start to learn like someone's perspective on a little bit deeper level. You start to find out what it is they're into. Um, I don't know, there's a part of me that almost is nervous about putting people on the spot to list three books because I think it's becoming increasingly rare that people read books I mean, like, I'm a book nerd, so I love books, and I love when people share the books that they enjoy, but I don't know. I don't really want to put someone on the spot and sort of have that moment of realization, like, oh, you don't even have three books that you can recommend to people? Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> Shit, man, I could put together a long list of books that I would recommend to people. <sighs> I don't know. I kind of like the book question. Maybe instead of three books, it's just like, what's a book that you would recommend to people to read? And maybe instead of making it such a big, like, to make the world a better place if everybody read them, like, that's a heavy question. Maybe it'd be better to just ask, like, what book, what's your favorite book? That's sort of an easier question. What book do you think would make the better, what, what book do you think would make the world a better place if more people read it? Something like that. And this is also one, I feel like I kind of touched on it, but this is a good way of phrasing it. What do you see as future opportunities and challenges in your field of art? This is again getting into that future projection. Like, How do you see your medium of art evolving through time? What do you think is up next? What are some opportunities? What are some challenges? Like, How are you perceiving the future of your art practice? So that's the current list of questions. Not the 
not the total list, I didn't read through all of them, but through the highlighted list. And there's definitely a lot in there that can be consolidated where the questions are very similar and they're essentially trying to ask, or they're essentially like oriented towards the same point of information, which I'm trying to sort of invite out of whoever it is I'm interviewing. And so I think consolidating it down, I think ideally there would be less than 10, less than 10 core questions. And with those core questions, I can always orient the conversation to an area of discussion that is relatable for the total podcast of an artist at work. And it will help orient the conversation to make sure we're touching on the various points of the total practice and exploring the artist. So that's something I need to work on. Um, off the podcast because a lot of that is just me silently reading these and recognize all right this is similar to this how do I sort of figure out the best way to phrase it in a concise and direct question you know that's something I've also noticed that in some podcast episodes people start to ask a question and then they get distracted in this long like buildup of the question or they give too much information where it's almost like you lose the question and the person answering has almost been given like a couple of options and it's like an either or situation. I'd much rather give a short, concise question and leave it open for the guest to respond. I don't wanna like overload the question with my own bias or my own understanding of the question or like a perceived correct answer. So I really need to be careful about that. Um, podcast interview locations so a few different options there now I'd like to record the conversation piece outside as much as possible I really enjoy viewing the outdoor podcast I really enjoy viewing and hearing some natural sounds in the surrounding space. Um, I understand it can be a little bit overwhelming for those who are only listening to audio and have an expectation of a certain level of like background silence in podcasts. But a part of me feels like because there's so much of that already existing in the world, it might be interesting to have some more natural sounds like included, like there's an ambiance to the conversation, which is also a reason why I've considered including coffee shops in the podcast interview locations, as well as parks, like the one I'm in now. Um, also considering doing it inside the studio space of whatever guest I'm interviewing, um, if they're open to it, if they're willing to welcome me into that space where they practice art, which I recognize for many people is a sacred space, wherever that art practice takes place. And so I totally understand if people don't feel comfortable performing some sort of podcast conversation. I totally understand if people don't want their studio space to be documented and shared. I get that. But for those who are open and interested to it, I think that would add an incredible element 
to the podcast episode because you can be in the studio space and feel like you're really connecting with the artist and they're really like welcoming the entire audience of Artists at Work podcast into their creative practice in a very intimate way. It's like we're going to sit down in the studio and talk about the art practice where the art practice actually takes place. That seems super exciting to me. It's also interesting in that way because the set of the podcast would always be different depending on the artist and their location. And if it's someone who has... I don't know why I keep using the sculptor. I don't know any sculptors. <laughs> uh, but for some reason, I keep using this example. So, like, here we go again. If I was interviewing a sculptor, and maybe they had, like, a finished work of art in a park somewhere or in an outdoor place where we could visit, maybe we could set up by that and, like, have that in the set. So it's like, this is a work that you've completed. Um... And that could be interesting as well. Um, Also an option to record the podcast in my apartment if needed. And really that's sort of like, in my mind, a last resort option. Partly because it's not the best audio experience in, in that room. I've already tested. There's a bit of a strange reverb going on. And I'm just not not crazy about that Um, I feel like that's also a space where potentially the guests I'm interacting with would be least comfortable Uh, like if they don't know me well and all of a sudden I'm inviting them over to the place where I live like that also doesn't make me feel super comfortable because I don't know them well like there's a weirdness there Um, and so Another option would be recording at shared working spaces where I could like rent out a room or a studio space and set up there. The issue with that is that it's a very bland set and I could bring some items to kind of dress it up a little bit, but I don't really want to do that. I'd rather just have the set speak for itself as it is naturally and not feel like I have to be moving things around or bringing, I don't know, wall hangings or artwork like I don't want to have to add that much material to the set to make it nice to make it a pleasant experience which is why I enjoy being outside because to me having just a little bit of greenery a little bit of sky like that is the perfect background for a long-form conversation and then just expanding all the different outdoor locations. I've sort of been coming back to this exact table in this exact same park because it's consistently shaded. It's consistently a quieter audio level than the green belt in terms of insect noise. Now, there's a chainsaw running at the moment. There was a lawnmower earlier. Every now and again, there are cars that drive by with loud music or, I don't know, like squeaky engine components that are rubbing and grinding on each other. But for the most part, the audio levels here have been much more manageable. And uh, there are a ton of picnic tables around this park where I could set up 
with someone. And I could even set up, so I ordered a couple meditation cushions. We could even just set up like on a blanket in the shade uh, if someone's open to that, if that's their preferred method of sitting. I'm game, I'm here for it, let's do it. And so having a list of locations to film, that will be helpful which I've kind of started, but these are still very general locations, like a specific list, like this coffee shop, this park at this picnic table, this space, which I could rent. Like I need to have the specific options detailed out so that it's easy for me to again, go through that checklist and not be sort of double thinking about all the options. Like just look at the list I've put together I can add to the list as I encounter new spaces. For example, a table at Mount Bonnell, Bonnell, however you say that. There are picnic tables up there, which would be a great location to do a podcast. Now, difficulty is that they are full sun during the day. That could be a challenge, like a real challenge. <laughs> So maybe that's a location that I save for a cooler time of the year. We do that location in the fall or the winter. And so it's stuff like that where there's even like a seasonal element to some of these locations because they're full sun. And so it's not something I want to do in the next week when we're in the middle of August and it's 105 degrees. I don't want to sit at a concrete picnic table just roasting in the sun for two and a half hours. I also don't think the camera equipment could handle that level of heat. So detailing out a really specific list of locations where I can film is going to be helpful. And uh, let's see, some of these notes are a little bit outdated and I sort of need to burn the dead wood a little bit. What else do we have here? Like I have some episode title formatting options, some description options. I've already sort of refined those. So I also have on here some of the earliest notes which I wrote down in a notebook. I then took photos of and sort of scanned into this digital note. And in this one, I had the idea when I was initially starting that there would be like the standard podcast episode, but then there could also be an extended video element which shows more of the behind the scenes art practice. as sort of like a bonus episode which is a way of earning income by positioning that onto Patreon or a subscription access on YouTube, where if you want to 
experience even more of the behind the scenes art practice that took place in the filming of the video, you can access that in its own sort of full length production episode. And recognizing that putting something like that behind a paywall allows more freedom of expression, more explicit content, more vulnerability to be shared. And there's sort of a, a greater feeling of privacy because just like there will be less people who watch that component if you have to pay for it versus the free podcast. And so I think that might also give the artist an opportunity to sort of express a little bit more, share a little bit uh, more of their explicit material or the side of themselves, which is, I guess, just for a more mature audience. Um, and it's trying to realize that sometimes an artist is justifiably filtering themselves when they interact with the world. And part of that is a very real practice which can provide them benefit. But I'd also like to offer them an opportunity to be totally free, open and uncensored. And really the only way that I can manage that is to host a video like that behind a paywall where people are essentially agreeing to enter into that space of explicit content and agreeing to pay to access it to sort of show that they are willing to uh, appreciate like what they're entering into. It's like, do you know what you're getting yourself into? Are you sure? Are you willing to like pay $5 or $3 or some small amount of money to actually like get in and watch this explicit material? Um, so I think there's something interesting there which I could figure out how to balance that out, um, figure out what that would look like. I also have on here that for some artists it might be interesting if possible to do multi-day recording sessions. Like if it's an art practice that requires downtime for the process, for materials to dry, set, whatever has to take place. It could be interesting for the artist to document their own practice and then send me video clips of that practice so I can edit it together into a video. Like here's more of the total practice. Or it's something where I could potentially schedule a time where I'm gonna show up to the artist's studio for an hour every day for five days in a row and sort of document different parts of the practice as it's happening. And that's just a way of, again, getting a more total view of the art practice and what's going on on that day-to-day -day ground level. Um, and then I have some like the parts of a podcast, which I've already sort of gotten into. Um, some of the benefits of the podcast for my own practice and how it relates to what I'm doing in other areas of my life. And I have on here a statement which I think is interesting. Like to observe artists performing their craft in the natural studio habitat. Like there's something about observing an artist in their natural environment doing their practice which I find 
deeply inspiring and educational. Like, oh, that's what a painter looks like when they're actually practicing. There's so much patience, there's so much silence, or maybe they have music blaring and they're just like, it's like a, a light show going on. Like you can get a sense of every artist on a much more intimate level and you can you can really feel what the process is with those daily engagements and there like it's also the realization that interviewing someone in their natural habitat where they spend a lot of time you're more likely to provide that space where they can be open and free because they already feel more open and free in that environment because that's where they open up and free their art and so there's definitely something there natural habitat more benefits going through um, bum, 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 bum. what else what else what else what else I think most of this stuff I've actually already gone over um, like here's a note one of the earliest sort of bullet points I have the ideal production would be using the least amount of equipment and people to capture the highest professional level of audiovisual quality and that's getting back to the idea that I'm really trying to make the equipment list as minimalistic as possible to allow for backpacking to wild locations and making sure that every piece of gear that I'm using for the podcast delivers a tremendous amount of value because if it's something that I'm going to carry in a backpack it needs to deliver value and raise the level of the production let's see what else we got um, I talk about scheduling artists in different locations and getting to a point where I start traveling to visit artists in their natural habitat to interview them and figuring out ways in which I could do my best at least to try and schedule more than one artist in a location. If I'm going to New York to interview an artist, it would be a good idea for me to reach out to other artists in New York and see if anyone else is available to do a podcast while I'm there to make sure that I'm maximizing my ability to interact with creative people in any location, wherever I might be. Starting out in Austin, Texas, there is a really bottomless uh, pool of creative people that I could be pulling from and interacting with here. And so I certainly don't feel like a need to leave Austin to go find creative people. Like there's more than enough creative people here for me to interview different artists three times a week and just be in Austin, honestly. But something to consider is that if I do start traveling, it's good to sort of keep in mind, like any place I go, there are plenty of artists there practicing and it's good of me to be efficient when I travel to document podcasts and meet artists in their natural habitat, engaging in their practice. Um, make the extra effort to attend live music performances, live comedy performances, wherever I'm traveling for podcast sessions. And part of that is just getting to know what's going on in whatever town I'm visiting and learning that 
there are always music and comedy shows going on, and I just have to figure out what's happening and actually make the effort to show up, go meet some creative people, go enjoy whatever form of art is being put on display. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the potential for creating an artist retreat center in a wild mountain location, which is essentially if in any way this podcast has the ability to generate income, I would like to put all of it towards a retreat for artists in a wild mountain location to be a way to remove themselves from society connect deeply with themselves and their art practice and have a sense of community where creative development and self-exploration, like that's the core element of everyone there. And there's sort of a momentum to an artistic community, which I think is really beneficial for a lot of people. And so being able to pair that real community feel with like real rugged solitude and isolation in the mountains I think that is I think that's like a it's like a primal balance to strike and I would I would so love to do that I would so love that and so that's, that's one of those ideas which seems so far off and so, like, it seems so distant in terms of how and when it could become a reality, and yet there's a part of me that feels like it's going to happen. There's a part of me that in this moment feels like I will eventually be able to start a retreat center for artists in a wild mountain location and it's almost like a it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that sends chills down my spine when I think about it because it just seems so it seems so right Something just what every time I think about it, I'm just like, hell yes, that's an incredible idea. That's an incredible thing that I could do to help cultivate more beauty in the world. It's an incredible thing that I could do to help artists really connect with themselves and encounter that openness of space and time, which is so often missing in people's sort of day-to-day, week-to-week life schedule. Like to really open up that time and space and provide an opportunity to go deeply into the art practice. <sighs> There's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Um, <sighs> I'll talk a little bit about setting some sort of timeline for my scheduling of the podcast so that I'm not trying to schedule too far in advance, but that I'm also scheduling far enough in advance that I can book meetings with people who have a busy schedule and are planning far in advance. Meaning, like, if I'm trying to interview a musician who's on tour, 
playing all these different locations at different dates, they're planning their life like a year in advance. And so I need to be willing to plan a podcast up to a year in advance as well. Sort of be able to have that like sort of master schedule going of here are all the dates where I have potential guest interviews happening. And I think that's something I'm trying to get better at in other areas of my life as well. Like how can I incorporate different calendars to really keep track of different engagements that I have and ways of like um, tracking availability, being able to offer the availability to others and also then when someone gives me their availability, I need to be able to compare it to my own and sort of like have that snappy scheduling conversation at any moment. So, something to consider. Um, more formatting stuff. I've already worked through that. More brainstorming stuff. Don't need to go over that. Um, bum, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. And that's really it for the original few notes. And yeah, that that pretty much covers the notes that I've actually written down. I've then articulated more notes in the first few podcast episodes and already started making changes. I mean, already if you compare this episode to the first episode, there's a tremendous difference in audiovisual experience. And so I'm excited about the pace at which I'm able to make mistakes and improvements. And it certainly helps that no one's watching. <laughs> like, it helps that there's no audience, there's no, like, pressure to perform. Like, I can just do whatever I want and make as many mistakes as I need to make to improve and sort of keep pivoting and adjusting and like that can be disorienting for people like if there was an established audience and I started changing the format around completely like each time different camera angles different setups different blah 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 that could be disorienting for like an actual established audience to wrestle with everything's always changing and so I'm able to really like make those drastic changes early on and no one else is feeling that sort of disorienting like huge shift taking place. I can just do it and I can do it quickly and like it's not affecting anyone. I'm just refining the process in my own way and experimenting with creative play. And Yeah, so that's that's the list of notes that we have going for the Artist at Work podcast. I, uh, I'm not entirely sure how long I've been going because I don't know how long I was going before I started the watch recording. But I have a feeling we're over our sort of established minimum of an hour and a half. 
And I think the minimum when I have a guest is going to be one hour because that's just like a, it's easier for me to offer them one to three hours than like 1.5 to three, like get out of here with that. But it's also, it's less intimidating to let them know that like one hour is the minimum amount. And as soon as we're over that, like they're ready to be done. They don't want to keep talking. They've said everything they want to say. Like we can wrap it up. We don't have to keep going. But then the three hours also lets them know, like, I am down to just go deep in a conversation. Like, let's just spend all day talking in a park and exploring the creative practice. Like, let's get into it. And so I'm sort of able to express, like, there's an openness and a willingness to accommodate any schedule opening of any kind. And then there's also a willingness to, like, let's just spend a day talking about art. Let's get into it. And I could totally go for more than three hours, but I'm trying to set like a reasonable limit so that when I'm asking people to show up on my podcast, they don't feel like they have to commit to like five hours. Because if I say anything from one to five hours, it's like, holy shit, five hours. That's a huge commitment. But if I say one to three hours, it's like, well, yeah, I, I could probably find a three hour window of time in my week where I could sit down and have a conversation. And I could sort of justify that as marketing or sharing more about myself with my audience like there are ways in which I'm able to offer value to different creative people by hosting the podcast and asking them questions and then putting it on display on all these different platforms and so in that way artists can justify sitting down with me to talk because it has a direct benefit to their ability to reach more people, grow their audience, and that can lead directly to selling more of their artwork and earning income. And so I think that also is a tremendous opportunity for me to meet new people who I would otherwise not have the opportunity to sit down and talk with, but they're willing to sit down and talk with me because they view that time as time well spent and they view it as a valuable exchange. And so... I'm so excited to see how this podcast is going to grow and develop over time. I'm so excited to sit down with creative people and explore their art practice and get to know their entire journey. I am so excited, so excited to see how all of this changes through time, to see what the evolution is going to be like. All right, I'm going to wrap it up here and keep on practicing. So thank you to anyone who's made it this far through to the end of the podcast. And just as a little bonus, I'm going to end with a little bit of musical play, a little bit of freestyle. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if this is something that I want to do more frequently. And, well... The only way to do it is to test it. So let's play a little bit. Let's do a little bit of testing.
What you know about What you know about life and the art practice What you know about the right way to live I might go and give my light and soul to that That unfolding of ooh experience with all that is uh, inside of this moment yeah do not hide when it's flowing just let it shine in the open and be okay when it's lit on a own uh. so put me up on a uh, candlestick uh, and watch me blow up uh, watch me light a room uh, yeah watch me go dumb yeah, watch me zoom, mm. watch me boom box and do what I do, hot, <clears throat> I'm just a dragon breathing fire, what you know about me, I'm living on wire, ooh, and I walk in that blade of the middle pathway of love, and I'm trying not to stray, don't stray, don't stray, don't break me, don't, oh, I'm trying to, uh, trying to find the middle path of love i'm trying to not be all racked with up i'm trying to trying to understand what's um, most good um, what is my potential to chop Wood, uh, and carry water with no credentials. I don't need to prove that I'm a uh, artist at work. I just do work, and I, I'm gonna uh, put on display my whole practice every day. Uh, and it don't need to be finished. It don't need to be refined. It don't need to be well tuned or manipulated through all these different making moves and trying to be all digitized. I'm trying to be more raw and humanize my uh, my whole life has been stacked up on lies and now I'm looking for true light and it's breaking me inside and it's taking me so high and it's got me feeling uh, it's got me feeling like this life might be enough if my inner light could just be Man, there's so much, there's so much going on there for the musical potential. So it's something where I just have to hold myself to it each time to make sure I'm like wrapping up each episode with something creative. And ideally I'd be able to get whoever's joining along for that. I'd be able to get them involved in the freestyle like whatever their medium of art is to see if they'd be willing to just 
sort of freestyle of work and include that at the end of the episode as well. Like here's a little, here's a little piece of the art practice just for the podcast, just for those who listen all the way through to the end. Uh, Yeah, I could dig it. I could dig it. I could dig it. It will also help me overcome any resistance I feel to getting in that super creative state with other people around. I feel like I've always got more. Bubbling, uh, bubbling, ooh, I've always got more. Bubbling, uh, uh, bubbling, uh, uh, always got more like the wind. Yeah, I'm always turning up like the sins of a sinner in hell. Ooh, you ain't gonna block me out. I'm always inside of the loud. Mm, mm. I can feel these vibrations, yeah, deep inside of my bones, and they're breaking me into pieces. I don't know if I'm forsaking me by sharing all these little pieces of the art practice, putting it out in the world as it is, uh, yeah, I'm just going to flip, uh, and do my dip, do my dab, do my thing, uh, uh, uh. Yak vibe uh, at the end of every podcast episode. Why? Uh, why wouldn't I though? Free opportunity to practice and I could grow. I could develop these habits and I don't know what might bubble up if I just open my soul, if I just radiate love, if I could truly let go. I might just, I might find a way. I might, I might give it away. I don't need it, I don't need to say that, it's mine, mine, I don't need to be Seagull and Nemo, no, I could just find, find, I'm a deep ocean creek, sure, so open, uh, uh, uh. and I could share the work of my soul, and I could be just inside the flow so easily, uh. 
feeling the pocket, feeling like I be surfing waves, just right in the barrel, yeah, all the twisting, hey, hey. What you know about this little turn? Watch it break. Yeah, I'ma just position myself and ride all the way to the beach. I'ma go and find someone to meet. Someone with the shine. Raising feet. Yeah, way up, yeah, way up. We tryna, uh-uh. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. We tryna, uh-uh. We trying to find a way, we trying to live today, we trying to, we trying to move through time and space and be our greatest version of self, but every single wave seems to bring me back into hell, crashing underwater, uh, losing my breath as I sink down farther, uh. Oh, no, no, uh, oh, oh. Oh, no, no, uh, oh. Full of musical madness and I'm just gonna be free and share all what happens because it's inside of me. So I might as well articulate it, might as well let it be in the world just vibrating for anyone to see. Yeah, come on around, artists that work, yeah, watch it be growing profound, yeah. Oh, yeah, grow, please. Won't you share it around? Yeah, won't you spread it ease? Mm. Mm. Yeah, won't you spread it, please? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, won't you share it, please? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I don't want to be on my knees looking for handouts. I'm trying to give peace and stay. I'm trying to give peace, trying to stand out. And I'm thinking I need to make my whole brand now about mistakes and failure and being okay just sailing through all of that happens in a weakness and my freakness uh, could be on display and I could be a okay just giving it away mm. cause I got nothing to uh, hold back got nothing to hold on to any longer I got no uh, Got no reason to be a Got no more reason to be surface level living, feeling so fake and superficial. I'm deep, going deeper and deeper, and I'm just trying to creep, creeping on my soul and let it. Just let it roll. Wow, 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 wow,